Good evening. We're coming off the bloodiest year in the history of New York. We're starting off the new year with at least 10 murders in the city today. You've probably <laughs> forgotten the first murder of 1980. That is, if you ever heard of him. He was 46-year-old Otis Tysdall. News Center 10 has learned those murders are Steve Agan of Terre Haute, John Roach, and Daniel McNeevy. By a killer who's become known as the Night Stalker killer who apparently struck again during the weekend. The assailant entered a house in a quiet middle-class neighborhood in the pre-dawn hours on Sunday through an unlocked window. Do you know which decade had the most serial killings? In case the title hasn't given you a hint, it was the 1980s. It's speculated the mass increase was due to the media, nationwide fascination with serial killings, and a development of an interstate highway system making access and escape much easier and quicker than ever before, with a wider geography for predators to roam and kill. Throughout the decade, 2,670 total serial killings took place. On a state level, California dominates the numbers by racking up 1,507 of these killings. That means about 8 out of every 1 million people in that state were murdered during that decade. Nowadays, security cameras are nearly everywhere, not to mention the camera in most people's pockets. The lack of crime detection played a large part in this increase of serial killings, to which the advancements today are making up for a lag in the 80s. For example, the Golden State Killer was identified and convicted in 2018 through a familial DNA match for murders he committed in the 1970s and the 1980s, before we had such useful tools. The truth is that American people are obsessed and fascinated with serial killers today, and in the 80s, with the media beginning its broadcast into nearly every home and doorstep, we began getting exposure to the dark and twisted minds responsible for committing acts the majority of the nation likely can't even picture in their heads, nor would they want to. And with that lack of technological advancement in law enforcement, serial killers easily evaded and slipped through the cracks. Larry Eiler, responsible for 21 killings from 1982 to 1984, was arrested twice before being discovered as the interstate killer or the highway killer after his third arrest. To the authorities' credit, his M.O. was to pick up hitchhikers to commit his crimes, and the hardest crime to solve is one done at random. Eiler's case was covered by nearly all large media outlets, not just the third time he was arrested, but the first and second time as well. Television series and books were created from his case to which the public ate up. Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, Henry Lee Lucas, and Otis Toole were all active in the 80s. These are some of the most notorious names in the world of serial killers. Dahmer especially for his inhumane, depraved acts. The darker the crimes, the more attention they are given by the public. And true, it's not just entirely the fact that murders are happening. Humans are naturally curious and have a morbid obsession with the lives of others, crime-filled or not. It's also a safe way for people to explore dark topics from the comfort of their own homes. 
And just imagine this information being so accessible for the first time in the history of ever. Dahmer essentially carried the baton of serial killings fresh from Ted Bundy in the 70s. His case was one of the most publicized in history. Dozens of books, movies, and television shows have been created from his reign of terror during the 80s. I can't help but feel that Dahmer wanted to be caught. His arrest, which led to the discovery of many murdered people in his apartment, was due to one of his victims running from his home and eventually waving down the police, stating that Dahmer was trying to kill him. And not too long before his arrest, an identical situation took place. A young man, unconscious in the streets, was reported to the police by an older woman. Upon finding the young man, Dahmer arrived and told the police this young man was his partner. Eventually, he convinced the police of his story, even though the boy was unconscious and bloody. Spotty police work was a factor in this spike throughout the 80s, unorganized and in some cases completely heartless. Authorities dropped the ball frequently. Dean Coral, for example, may have been apprehended much sooner and lives may have been saved if the efforts were extended by law enforcement. It's reported that the police simply didn't care at the time that multiple young teenage boys were vanishing. Therefore, they never looked into the possibility that these disappearances could be linked. Another interesting theory is that those with the need to kill in the 80s didn't have enough outlets to satiate their sadistic desires. Whether you believe a serial killer gets their need for violence through genetics or environmental factors, they almost always suffer from psychopathy. And a big trait of psychopathy is a severe lack of empathy or the lack to feel emotion. With the invention of the internet soon after, the accessibility to odd things are endless and may just be satisfying to those who crave weird acts or are looking to feel something. Content that may be bizarre or gross to a normal person could potentially be saving lives by providing an outlet to those who can absorb food content in place of carrying out these acts in a physical way. The lead crime theory could also explain a rise in serial killings in the aforementioned decade and could also support the studies that what makes a serial killer are environmental factors. The research involves a study of the correlation between blood lead levels in children and increased rates of crime and delinquency. Lead is highly toxic to the organs of the body, the most sensitive of which is the brain. And in the 80s, very widely used in motor fuel. The research shows that those exposed to lead at young ages were more prone and vulnerable to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, ADHD, and problems with impulse control. Suffering from one or multiple of these disorders, of course, can have a negative impact on decision-making, which can lead to the likelihood that these children commit more crimes as they reach adulthood, especially violent crimes. As we advance as a civilization, everyone advances, the good and the bad. New ways are discovered by those capable of committing such acts to evade the law and continue 
satisfying whatever the urge it is that they have. Our nation's use of the media and broadcasting doesn't help the situation and could in fact be contributing to the damage. That coupled with the internet where anyone can look at anything anytime they please. Will access to endless information and the influence of networks whose main goal is to spark an interest or uprise outrun the technology we have in place today to identify and stop serial killers? One could be watching this video right now, which could be part of the problem. And we would never know. The 1980s may have been the worst decade of serial killings we've ever seen, but there is no time more dangerous to be alive than right now. What do you think? Has the worst decade of serial killings hopefully come and gone? Or are we doomed to live through a more violent decade? Let me know in the comments below and make sure to like and share this video. If you're interested in dark topics surrounding the paranormal, go watch our second channel, Rank Paranormal, and you're in for a scare. And you'll learn something while you're at it. We'll see you in the next upload.